Are you ready? Man, I'm doing great. Uh, having a great time here in South Carolina, enjoying the nice warm weather. Of course, <laughs> it's a hell of a lot more wa- warmer than that. It's hot as hell. Uh, but hey, that's what you get living in the South with the humidity. Um, I'm enjoying it, man. Uh, how, how are you doing? How is uh, Cleveland holding up from its uh, fall from grace? That was very kind of you to not say debacle, blunder. You know, dropping the ball, any number of euphemisms you could have used. Uh, I, I still feel in my bones, Bragg, that the Cavs could have beat them. I'm not, and you know that I'm not just saying that because I'm a Cavs fan or I live in Cleveland. For those of you that know the show, you know that uh, I like to uh, partake in the occasional gamble. And uh, I watched a lot of basketball, and I just I felt like the Cavs blew Game Three. It should have been 2-2 going back to Golden State. And uh, it, we, we should have had a game six back here in Cleveland. I'm not saying that the Warriors wouldn't have won in seven, but I think we all got gypped of seeing that series extend with uh, Corver missing the shot, then Durant hitting a Michael Jordan-esque shot in LeBron's eye, and then Kyrie missing his only shot really of the night when it mattered most. It was just... Very unfortunate that they blew that game three. But if you watch the draft and you listen to the rumor mills, um, there's some things in the work here, Bragg. They're they're talking about Dwayne Wade coming here, maybe Carmelo Anthony, maybe Paul George. We'll see what happens. But first, let's get to the particulars. You're listening to the Ultimate Fight Show. The number's 1657-383-1412. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all our social media outlets. Bragg, you want to hit them with that? Yeah, it's easy to find us on the socials. You can go to Instagram, Facebook, find us at The Ultimate Fight Show. Follow us on Twitter at The Alt Fight Show. And, of course, most importantly, make sure you go to iTunes and subscribe to The Ultimate Fight Show so you can get the latest or you can get the shows first as soon as they drop. Absolutely. Uh, Al Bernstein on the show last week, we, uh, we, we landed a real big fish recently, and we'll, we'll keep you posted on who that man's going to be. Uh, I, I think you know him. He, he happened to do some work a couple weeks ago in pretty the ring. He's, pre- he's pretty good. <laughs> uh, we, normally, we normally wait for the boxing segment, but... We're going to speed it up here and uh, just get right into a little sweet science here at the Ultimate Fight Show. (laughs) 
It's the boxing segment here at the Ultimate Fights Show. No boxing last week, so we'll take you back two weeks ago where if you listen to our show and listen to the interview with Al Bernstein, you know where we stood, but here's Michael Buffer just in case you didn't know. The winner by TKO victory, still the undefeated light heavyweight champion of the world, Andre S.O.G. Eat your words, critics. We were, we were one of the few people. Bragg said he liked Ward by a close, little bit wider decision. I said, Bragg, I got a feeling he's going to knock him out in the 10th round. He did it two rounds earlier, but Al Bernstein called it on our show. You can log on, listen to the interview, but he said, the guy that wins the second half of the first fight usually wins the second fight. And Andre Ward implemented his attack to the body from bell one, which is what he waited until the fifth or sixth round to do in the first fight. And he beat Sergey Kovalev. And don't get me wrong, Bragg, and, I, and we're going to get your opinion on this in a, in a minute, but I was on vacation. We didn't have the show. I'm watching it on the iPad. You know, why ruin the last time I watched it on in a power storm on my phone, at least this time I upgraded the screen to an iPad. And <laughs> what I saw was just arguably the best fighter in the world. No, the best fighter in the world, pound for pound. Show what savviness, what boxing IQ, his acumen in the ring took the fight to Sergey. And if you were watching it, Harold Letterman had Sergey Kovalev up five rounds to two. I had Ward up by a point. Two of the judges had it my way. One judge had it the other way, same score. It was just a great fight, but you could tell early on. And Roy Jones Jr., we're going to try to get him on the show, but he said it throughout the night. Sergey Kovalev doesn't want to fight. Ward hurt him to the body early. He was looking for excuses. Tony Weeks did a great job of letting the fight progress. There was only one time where he was hit with a low blow, and that was in the third round, and it was a round that Kovalev won. And any of these people that think that he he got hit with a Sunday right right hand, Bragg, and it buckled Sergey's knees, and then Ward hit him with 10 unanswered shots, ending the fight. Kovalev probably should have taken a knee, but I think his pride, the fact that he knocked Ward down, he didn't want to let Ward do the same thing and put him out. And so he, it might have cost him the fight because I do believe that Sergey Kovalev could have continued. And he said that in the, in the post-fight interview with Max. But make no mistake, Andre Ward saw the test, studied, came up with a game plan, and it, to me it was the best performance of his career, which is saying a lot, and it was definitely the best performance, and he's the early front runner for fight of the year in my book. Bragg, what did you see last Saturday night? It, it was textbook. I mean, it really was about as uh, perfect of a plan, and, and as you alluded to, Al Bernstein on our show talked about uh, you know, winning the last half of the fight that Andre Ward did back in November, going to the body, 
right off the bat. He went there. Uh, he set the tone early. Kovalov had his moments, see, and he had his chances, but he just was not able to overcome the superiority that was Andre Ward. The finish of the fight, like you mentioned, it, yeah, he, if he would have taken a knee, he probably he he could have continued. He wasn't hurt to a detrimental point, uh, but the unanswered shots. Uh, I, I think the referee did a great job in calling the fight when he did an absolute masterful performance by the best pound for pound fighter in the world today, Mr. Andre Ward. Uh, fantastic fight overall. I mean, he he went out set his game plan, uh, did what he had to do, executed it well, and finished it off. So he's knocked off Sergei Kovalov twice now, twice in a row. First time it was close, second time it was no doubt. Where do we see, I'll I'll pose this question to you, where do we see Andre Ward go from here? Uh, I mean, I think the the obvious choice is Adonis Stevenson, who is the lineal – light heavyweight champion, the man who beat Chad Dawson, knocked him out. But remember, Andre Ward also knocked out Chad Dawson before he lost his light heavyweight title. So, And it's funny because Virgil Hunter said that that was the only other fight besides this one that he trained Ward for the knockout, and they got it. Now, whether or not that was really the game plan, we will never know because he got the result that he claimed to have worked for. But, Bragg, before I comment on Ward's future any further, I wanted to ask you a question. Did you think that when – because we clearly said he wasn't – he was hurt, but he wasn't done. Do you think that that, that Kovalov just knew that if he got – if he continued or took a knee, that the writing was on the wall, that he was just going to get stopped in another round or two? Or do you think that he – just kind of froze and had a mental lapse really believing that he was hit low because we put out a video on our page where Tony Weeks says that Kovalov's guard is on the border and that those punches are going to be legal. So, I mean, what do you think it was? Do you think he just froze in the moment thinking the ref was going to bail him out? Or do you really think that he was kind of like, okay, I can't beat this guy tonight. He's just too good. You know, I, I really don't want to think that he was trying to get out of that fight or looking for the referee to help him. Uh, Sergey Kovalov, as good as Andre Ward is and as good as he looked against Kovalov, Kovalov is one of the best fighters in the world. Let's not make any mistake about it. Kovalov is a top five pound-for-pound fighter in the world right now. He's a warrior. I mean, he's a guy that he's not going to give up. I just think it was just the the heart of a fighter. Uh, you know, he sit there. He was taking his shots. Um, perhaps he was waiting on an, uh, on an opportunity to throw back. Uh, I don't know what he was waiting on, but uh, you know, he was getting he was getting pummeled, and that's how the fight ended. I I, I don't know. I hope it I hope it wasn't like I said for the sake of um, pride. I hope it wasn't the fact that he was just waiting on the referee to stop it or waiting on a, an out. Um, I just think it's more along the lines of uh, he was trying to withstand the fury and waiting on his opportunities uh, that never came. Yeah. Do you think that when, when I, I, I guess I should have clarified a little more when I say looking for a way out, I meant 
not necessarily for the ref to stop it, but maybe for the ref to penalize Ward a point. Because, like I said, he did have a low blow in round three, and he was warned, and Tony Weeks said, you know, to both fighters, let's keep it up. I believe he even stopped the fight again in the fifth round for a second and told them to knock off the roughhousing. And that's what I meant. Do you think that Kovalov really thought that those were all low and that he was waiting for weeks to kind of give him his five minute breather and maybe take a point away from Ward. And that's why he didn't respond. Maybe, uh, maybe, but as we've seen fighters before who have, uh, I don't know how, how you want to say it, um, have uh, convinced referee of low blows where they not necessarily have been. I feel like if he was trying to do that, he would have reacted a little differently. He would have reacted like he would have hit, been hit low. Uh, you've been hit low. I've been hit low. It, you feel it. Yeah. And you don't necessarily have to have a, a bullseye shot on the jimmies to, to have it affect you. So, yeah. you know, I, I think if that was the case, that he probably would have reacted a little differently. Maybe he would have, uh, maybe he would have dropped, uh, you know, grabbed himself. Uh, whatever the case may be. So eh, maybe, but I, I didn't see it. I did. That's not the perception I had when I watched the fight. Okay. Now um, I, as back, you know, back to your first question, Adonis Stevenson to me is the logical choice. If he wins that it would give Ward his second lineal title in, and it will essentially clean out the light heavyweight division as of yesterday, Sergey Kovalov has announced that he is parting ways with John David Jackson, which I personally think is a bad move. Um, his only losses were to Andre Ward, who's the best fighter in the world. I don't know if this is 100% Kovalov's decision or if it's, um, you know, he. you saw in the 24-7 that he already brought in another guy and a strength coach. This could be the Russian management that's around him, but he also said that he is moving out of the light heavyweight division to cruiserweight. So essentially Ward has, you know, done to Kovalov what he did to Carl Frotch, but Frotch stayed in the division while Ward was injured or moved up and was able to, you know, carve out his legacy as well. I just think, Bragg, what it's coming down to is that Sergey Kovalov's a, a, a bad loser, you know, and Kathy Duva should be ashamed of herself for the way that she carried on in the post-fight interviews. I'm sure if you follow our Twitter page, you've seen the the tweets and retweets about that. Um, friend of the show, Raging Babe, we're going to have her on in a couple weeks, but she was at the presser just giving us live feeds. And it was just, you know, her saying that Ward should get disqualified, that it was cheating, you know, harassing the fans. I mean, dude, at the end of the day, I understand you're emotional. It was a fight. You, your guy lost, and he lost again. Maybe maybe he should have won the first time. You know, Al Bernstein said on our show, he had it 114-113 for Kovalov. We had it for war. I mean, it could have gone either way. It's just the way it, it fell. But he was emphatically beat this time. And mind you, after he said he was going to knock Andre Ward out at the weight. So, you know, the bully got bullied. And I just think he's a bad loser. And I lost a lot of respect for Sergey Kovalov, the man, not the fighter, but the man. I just, I just feel like this is the second time now where he's 
saying something foul happened and it, it, it just has no, no place in a sport that's trying to clean up its reputation and I think has done a really good job of that over the last 10 years. Bragg, thoughts? Well, you, you made a comment earlier and you mentioned uh, the Russian management that uh, Kovalov has. We've seen this before, and most notably with uh, Fedor Emelianenko, uh, who we'll speak about, talk about a little bit later. Uh, they're tough to deal with. And when things aren't going their way, they tend to uh, they don't make excuses. They will uh, take their ball and go home, so to speak. Uh, you know, the whole thing with Kovalov uh, trying to change trainers and management, it um, you know it could be one of those things. And I'm just going to play devil's advocate and defend Kovalov here. He lost the war before, yeah, it was a close fight. He thought it went his way, but this time. Uh, it clearly wasn't his fight. I mean, he, he could be feeling complacent. I mean, you're right. He's still one of the top fighters in the world. He lost to the number one guy in the world. But still, you know, he maybe feel like he has um, a little more to give. He may feel like he something is missing. So it could be, you know, it could be legit reasons. There could, there could be um, some le- legitimacy behind uh the change there, but um, you know that, like like we said though, and I, and I don't want to talk about the Russian mob or the Russian management because I don't want to get myself in trouble or find myself at the bottom of a river. But it's um, you know they're they're funny. Uh, they really are funny. They have a tricky way of going about their business. I'm not sure I would read too much into that, but I agree with you. I thought Miss Duba uh, really said too much uh, when she could have, you know, discretion being the better part of Valor, uh, she could have been a little more classy, and it would have looked a whole lot better on that whole situation. But uh, as it stands, Andre Ward reigns supreme. Sergey Kovalov's going to have some work to do uh, to get back to the top of the rankings and to get back really um, to where he was before. Yeah, I, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, you know, Andre Ward delivered – as he's done since he was 12 years old and as he will continue to do, I feel like this is a guy where pretty much the same as Floyd Mayweather. I think anytime they step in the ring, there's, there's a very little chance that they're going to lose very small. You got to be perfect to beat these guys. Kovalov dropped them and, and came within a point. And uh, the second time, you know, we said it before you take the test these guys are cerebral kind of fighters. They, they, they see it's chestnut checkers. They see things three, four moves ahead. And he knew in round two when he hit Kovalov with that body shot that that was going to be where you go tonight. And uh, hats off to uh, Andre Ward. Uh, you know, it, it, we're going to hit him one more time with it. The winner by TKO victory, still the undefeated light heavyweight champion of the world. Just fantastic, fantastic. All right, let's uh, let's move on. We got a big fight coming up this weekend, Saturday, in Australia. ESPN's putting it on free. They apparently ponied up the cash. So did the Australian government and the pay-per-view, and Bob Arum was uh, 
I feel like this is his way of re reintroducing Manny Pacquiao to a new group of people. But at the same time, Bragg, as you, as you alluded to before we got on the show, it just has that, that smell that maybe Bob's trying to squeeze out another dime or two from, from the cash cow that is Manny Pacquiao before this guy becomes president of the Philippines or hangs up his gloves or, you know, or gets proven to be not where he was by somebody like Terrence Crawford. Uh, what are your thoughts here? You know, first on just Pacquiao and the timing of the fight and everything, and then we'll get into his opponent and what we think, you know, the outcome's going to be Saturday. Well, I've said before, as much respect as I have for Manny Pacquiao, as big a fan as I have been of his uh, throughout his career, I, I just don't think he's got a lot left. Uh, he, he really, he's, of course, he's not a fighter, and he's never going to be the fighter he once was. But, you know, I think after being knocked out by Juan Manuel Marquez uh, years ago, he just he has not been the same. Um, well, actually, I take that back even before that. Um, I predicted Tim Bradley to beat him. Um, now, although that decision was incorrect and Bradley did beat him, um, I still think – I don't think he's been the same since then. We talked about this when this fight was announced. Uh, Joe Horn, I mean, he's a, he's a local fighter. It's going to bring big business, big revenue to Australia. Uh, it's going to be a pretty uh, pretty big uh, catch for ESPN to be carrying this fight. But it just doesn't feel right. Something about it, and I said it months ago when this was first announced, it feels like a trap. It feels like, man, like you said, it almost feels like, they're trying to squeeze a little more out of Pacquiao than he has left to give. Uh, should Jeff Horn win this fight? No. He's nowhere near the level of Pacquiao. But can he win this fight? I, I think if the stars align, and I believe they might be, uh, this could be a very long night and a difficult night for the Manny Pacquiao and his camp. Yeah, it's – um. Let, let, let's get to the tail of the tape. Um. Horn is 16-0 and with one draw. He's got 11 knockouts. He's won 13 fights in a row since that draw. 5-0 uh, and in his last five, 10-0 and in his last 10. He's orthodox. He's going to have a four-inch reach advantage in height, but he's only going to have, I think, what is this? He's going to have a one-inch reach advantage in, and, and that's it, as far as, you know, with his jab, which isn't as much as you would think for a guy who's four inches taller. Uh, Pacquiao on the other end of the equation is 59 and six, two draws, 38 knockouts, but he hasn't knocked anybody out since Miguel Cotto. And that was five years ago. He's four and one in his last five, seven and three in his last 10. Of course, one of those was a stinker, the worst decision of the year by against Bradley. But, uh, this is a guy who's 10 years older than Horn going to his home country where, and this is one of the few times, Bragg, and we've talked about this before on the show, how Manny Pacquiao, when he fights, the Philippines experience no crime. This man fights for a nation. He's not just fighting for, like, Cleveland or, you know, Vegas or whatever. He's fighting for a nation. And he's meeting a guy who's undefeated who's also fighting for a nation in his nation. It's going to be more competitive 
a matchup in person than it is on paper. Believe you me. Bragg, Pacquiao doesn't spend a lot of time in the gym anymore. He's a part-time guy. This is a dude who's been a gym rat since he was 12. He's a senator now. He's arguably one of the top three most recognizable names in combat sports, the other two being Mayweather and McGregor. Um, but at the same time, F. Horn's not afraid. This guy went to the Olympics. Uh, he won a silver medal. He's, you know, he's a guy who could beat Manny Pacquiao if Pacquiao is not 100%, and I don't think he's going to be 100%. You know, Jeff Horn could beat Conor McGregor in a boxing match. Make no mistake about that, and we'll talk a little bit more about the Mayweather-McGregor fight after this. But, you know, this is, again, one of those fights where Manny Pacquiao is supposed to win on paper. They're, they're, they're giving it for free instead of charging 60 to 75 like they normally would. And I think they're trying to set up with a win, a bigger fight against either Keith Thurman, Errol Spence, or Terrence Crawford. Or if they can somehow get the stars to align, Floyd Mayweather again. Bragg, who do you got Saturday night? How do you see this going down? You know, it, I my gut from the beginning has told me uh, Jeff Horn's going to win this fight. Uh I've said it. I keep saying it. The closer we get to it, you know, I, I find myself sort of rooting for Pacquiao, you know, to make that one last run or have that one last big fight. I'm going on my gut. I'm going out on limb, and I'm going to say Jeff Horn wins this fight. It's – he's got a lot of power. We've seen Pacquiao get knocked out and hurt before. I think I think it goes gets later. I think it gets into the eighth and ninth round, and I think he ends up. The referee stops the fight, saves Pacquiao, maybe even between rounds. But I just feel like this is it for Pacquiao. And I've said it before, and I've been wrong about many Pacquiao. One of these times, I'm going to be right. Um, but I think Jeff Horn gets gets away with this with a TKO victory for the biggest yeah. win in his career. Now, now. Does that mean Jeff Horn's going to go on and defend that title um, for years? No, it's not. He's a he's going to be a transitional champion at best. Uh, but I, I think if you you talk about Pacquiao wanting to get a bigger fight with Terrence Crawford or Errol Spence, guys like that, uh, we're, let's just save Pacquiao the trouble right now. Save the fans the trouble right now. Uh, you you alluded to it. I think Pacquiao's got. He's already got one foot out of the ring, one foot out of the gym, rather. Uh, he's got too many other things going on. Um, this just doesn't feel like he's fully committed. Um, and I hope I'm wrong. I, I think Jeff Horn is going to be too much for him Saturday night. Hometown, he's going to have the crowd behind him. Those Aussies could get mighty rowdy. Uh, hope I want it to be like a rugby-style uh, crowd. Yeah. I want there to be chance. I want there to. Be, I, I want him to go crazy. I want it to be a lot of fun. It should be a lot of fun, and I think uh, Jeff Horn wins this fight uh, by TKO in the ninth round. Wow. Yeah, it's it's a fight that you know I'm I'm not gonna say it, anything that you said because it was all spot on. I just think that this is one of those 
you know, the Philippines right now have some serious problems going on. Their president is fighting this war on drugs where he's murdering people. They got ISIS moving in there. Manny Pacquiao is a senator. Don't be surprised if Manny Pacquiao in the next five years is the president of the Philippines. And I just think that there's bigger issues for him. I think this is a good way to reintroduce his name politically and in the ring. And if he wins, he beat an undefeated kid and everyone got to see it for free on TV. If he loses, you're right. Horn is a transitional champion, but at least the kid's going to, you know, get a little bit of money in his next fight, uh, whether that's with Thurman or Spence or a Crawford. But um, they always say that, you know, every great fighter has one great performance left in him. I don't think that Manny Pacquiao's was against Jesse Vargas. It could be in this fight. This might be a Rocky Balboa, Apollo Creed type fight where they just go toe for toe. I, I think Jeff Horn's going to drop Manny. I think Manny's going to drop Jeff Horn. And we're going to find out a lot about Manny Pacquiao as this fight moves into the championship rounds. And I think just, just because you went the other way, if you would have picked Pacquiao, I'd probably take Horn by split decision. <laughs> I'm going to say Manny Pacquiao wins a split decision in Australia in a fight of the year candidate but definitely a fight that marks the end of Manny Pacquiao, the great Hall of Fame fighter that he's going to be. You know, speaking of uh, Rocky and Apollo, um, if you get a chance on the Ultimate Fight Show Instagram, you need to go follow Sylvester Stallone's Instagram. He has been putting up a lot of throwback pictures lately from the filming of the Rocky movies. Uh, Just fantastic stuff. I just want to throw that out there. Yeah, and I just want to throw out, too, that we got Shane Mosley on the uh, Shane Mosley Jr. against David Toussaint. So that's an interesting fight. I guess they're trying to make a name uh, for that. I'll go with Toussaint over Mosley Jr. Yeah, I'm not sure why that fight's even happening. Yeah, I'll take your fun as well. Yeah, and... uh, That's pretty much it. As far as other news on the landscape of boxing, of course, we mentioned Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather's August 26th fight. Really? I heard of it. Yeah, the odds have dropped now to 7-1. to They've they've been holding there pretty steady from the 11 or 12-1 to that they opened. If you follow our Twitter page, you know that I've been posting some pretty funny stuff that's been getting retweeted. Conor showed a picture today of himself gloving up and then some kid was like showed himself at the gym gloving up kind of making fun of him it's just uh this dude's got no chance he's got a one percent chance maybe i'm not even gonna buy the fight i'm just putting it out there right now and i was talking to a call a, a, a buddy of mine who follows the sport closely and he asked me too he's like dude i don't even know if mayweather's gonna get hit and it's like we keep saying the same stuff over and over again, but it it would be the end of boxing if Conor McGregor beat Floyd Mayweather. So if you like boxing, and even if you don't like Floyd, you can't be rooting for Conor McGregor in this fight. I mean, it's just not – it just would be – it would be the worst thing that could happen. Bragg, anything you want to comment about this fight before we move on? 
Yeah, I do, and I want to pose a question to you. But first, you, you talked about how Connor might not, or Mayweather may not even get hit. It reminded me of a, and I can't remember the guy, the the fighter he was fighting, but it was uh, Klitschko uh, was taking on a guy several years back, and he literally jabbed him for three rounds before the fight was stopped. I don't think he threw a a, a power punch. It was just nothing but jabs. I don't think Klitschko got hit once or twice, maybe. Um, but we could be looking at something similar to that. But of course, I wanted to pose to you, but I was going to last week. I alluded to it, um, but we ended up not doing a show. We all talk about, we we all know that MMA boxing, which Conor McGregor is excellent at. But let's not make any bones about it. Conor McGregor is probably one of the best MMA boxers out there. But MMA boxing is a different sport. It's a different style than. Uh, classic boxing that you see. Is there any part of Conor McGregor's boxing, uh, MMA boxing, however you want to say it, is there any part of that that could um, confuse or perhaps give Floyd Mayweather some trouble, some stuff that maybe he hasn't seen before coming from different angles, uh, is there anything about McGregor, McGregor's boxing game that Mayweather should be concerned about? Uh, first, the fighter you were talking about was Tony Thompson, who didn't land. Klitschko just hit him with his jab and knocked him out in the third round and didn't throw a right hand the whole fight. He fought Tony yeah. Thompson twice, knocked him out both times. Uh, that's All right. um, but back to uh, your question – the only thing that Conor McGregor had, well, there's two things he's got going for him. One of them is uncertain, and we won't know until Mayweather engages him, and that is, does Conor have an issue dealing with Mayweather's punch? If Conor does, the fight's going to end in under three rounds. If Conor doesn't, then that may make him a little braver. And if he's braver... You know, Max Kellerman alluded to this in another analogy, but, you know, if you go for broke because you know you can't win on points and you sell out, there you might get beat quicker, but you might give yourself that chance moment. And the only thing that I can see Conor McGregor doing is maybe landing a looping punch that hits Floyd in the ear, back of the head area where your equilibrium is is there, kind of the way Maidana was able to do in the first fight for a second. And even then, I just don't think that Floyd's one of those. I, in fact, I know he's not one of those guys who's not taking McGregor as serious as he trained for Pacquiao. So I, I just don't see McGregor really. He's got that 1% puncher's chance, you know, Nobody thought he was going to knock out Aldo with the first punch. But again, those are four-ounce gloves. Ten-ounce gloves, and it's, it's not even that they're 10-ounce MMA. They're 10-ounce boxing. So the bulk of the glove is going to allow Mayweather. I mean, Mayweather could literally put the gloves in front of his face and walk Connor down to the ropes. And once he does, just open up. I don't think Connor's going to know how to cut off the ring the same way. Not being able to use his kicks is not going to 
Mayweather's looking for one thing, and that's his punches. And you're not going to show Mayweather something he hasn't seen before with hands. It's just not, like I said, the Connor might be able to land some kind of looping, borderline illegal headshot, but that's about it. That's an interesting take. An uppercut, (laughs) maybe, like maybe Floyd coming in, but 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 we know this because of that tuck chin that Mayweather does. It's very hard to hit him clean. It's just not. And, and, and we've talked about this a few years ago on the show about how Floyd Mayweather is one of the few fighters who doesn't blink when punches are thrown at him. Go watch any of his fights. When he's getting hit in the face, his eyes don't move. He's like a freaking pre- like a like like a Siberian tiger or a predator. Like his eyes are just on you. They don't move. They don't blink. I just think Connor's gonna have. I don't think Connor's ever been in the ring with someone who's as good, as conditioned, and as athletic at one sport as he is at any of the things that he does. Remember, Connor McGregor is a great MMA fighter. He's someone who, in a real street fight, would probably beat Floyd Mayweather. But Connor doesn't do anything as good as Floyd boxes. There's nothing he does in his life that he does better than what Floyd does in that ring. That's a fair point, and that's a, that's a good point. That's why I asked you that question, because I I, I just don't see it. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I would love to be able to try to talk up this fight and to hype it up and to do everything we could do to give it a chance. i tell you what, Dana White's doing everything in his power to give uh, people a a chance that uh, Conor McGregor is going to win that fight. Uh, he's yeah. doing a great job of it. Uh, he's got people believing. Just and if you look at the odds that we talked about earlier, uh, the odds are coming down some. Uh, money is coming in on on Conor McGregor. So there are people out there that believe that Conor McGregor is going to win this fight. Uh, you and I aren't one of two of them. And if you listen to this show. And you follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. <laughs> uh, not to brag, but I am. We're, we're the best. Uh, we, we know what we're talking about. Our track record speaks for itself. Um, 22 and 2 gonna, you're in big, in, in big fights. 22 and 2. Yeah, we're not perfect, but damn close to it. Um, Greg, it's just, uh, you know, let's... Let's move to the fight two weeks after that real quick and just how cool was it last week to watch Triple G and Canelo make make the round on campus in Bristol, Connecticut on the ESPN set. They were on every show, Oscar De La Hoya, you know, talking up the, the, the real fight. And, you know, I'm just I'm getting more excited and the odds are getting closer and closer. It's almost even money with Triple G and Canelo, and it's just indicative of what a great, great fight this is going to be with two guys who don't know how to make a bad fight. You know, you can almost see it in their eyes. They're, they're, you know, they're doing their thing. They're doing the media rounds. These are also two guys who don't do a lot of talking. Um, 
to yeah, of course they do their media obligations, but they're not going to go on Twitter and trash talk each other. Uh, these are two guys that respect the sport, respect each other. Uh, it's almost like you could tell that they're laying back, sitting back. They're going to let Connor and Mayweather do what they're going to do, uh, take care of all the um, promotion, things like that. And it's almost like, okay, you guys go have your little party. Um, and then two weeks later, we're going to upstage you with a hell of a lot better fight. It, you yeah. can almost see it in their eyes that they're going to they're gonna, they're let Connor and uh, Floyd do their thing. Canelo and Triple G, to anybody who knows the sport of boxing, to true boxing fans, knows that that is the fight. Uh, that is Ward Kovalov from last year. That is Ward Kovalov uh, cranked up another notch or two, yeah. in, my, in my opinion. Uh, it, just, it, that is the fight everybody want, has wanted to see, and we're getting it. Yeah, and I mean, it's, uh, it's for the lineal title. Um, which which makes it even bigger. You know, you got all the belts on the line. We haven't had that in the middleweight division since uh, Bernard Hopkins and Jermaine Taylor unified in their in their two great fights. And you said it. You know, this is these are two guys who don't talk a lot. They are very stoic in their approach and complete professionals inside and outside of the ring. And to quote Andre Ward, you know, like he said to Kovalov, we're going to do our talking Saturday night. And and that's what these guys do. And it's going to be, I'll tell you right now, they haven't set a price on it. I would pay $100 on pay-per-view for Canelo and Triple G. What was the price for Kovalov Ward? I believe, I didn't order it, but I believe it was 60 yeah, I, I'm not sure. There, I mean, they could easily get my hundred dollars for that fight. Absolutely. Yeah, it's either going to be but, seventy-five or a hundred for for Triple yeah, G Canelo. Because you know as well as I do, Mayweather McGregor is going to be a hundred plus. Uh, they are going to get I, I every hundred. Yeah, they are they are going to squeeze every dime out of you that they can. Uh, and, and again, looking, you know, you you see the the tale of two fights. You know, with the comparison, you've got the the all-out, you know, pro wrestling sports entertainment type build and event that's going to be Mayweather McGregor, and then you're going to have the, you know, the flip side of that. You're going to have the classy, um, you know, just just pure boxing uh, event. Uh, you know, and, and I think you're, you know, I think that's going to be reflected in a lot of ways. I think price itself is going to be one of those ways. Yeah, and I, I mean, again, these are two dudes in their primes who have fought everybody that's been put in front of them, and they're both undefeated. Except, I, well, I shouldn't say that. I mean, Canelo has one loss, but other than that, they've never lost. And his loss is to Mayweather when he was 22 years old. I think that Floyd Mayweather and Canelo would have a much different fight if they fought now. Um, I'm still th- I still think Floyd would win, but it would be a much more difficult fight than it was the night he fought Canelo, where I had Floyd winning every single round, maybe losing one, maybe. Yeah, that diff- that fight would be uh, so different today uh, than it was a few years back, and. You know, I, I don't know. Canelo has 
grown up and matured a lot, of, not only as a fighter, but as a man uh, since then. I, I don't know. I would give Canelo a chance in that fight. Would I pick him? I'm not quite sure yet. But it would definitely be a different fight. I think it would be a fun fight to watch. Um, will it happen? I highly doubt it at this point. But it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's fun to talk about. Yeah, and I mean, just just, you know, it's one of those things where I think I'm not going to give my prediction now, but you know, I, I talked about it with Al in our interview that uh, I'm kind of leaning towards Canelo right now early. And the reason that I like him early right now without, you know, seeing their conditioning or seeing the build up or anything like that, just knowing what I've known from seeing all their fights, Triple G is 10 years older than Canelo. And I think that his 35 against Canelo's 26, 25 is going to be, if Canelo is able to handle Triple G's power, it's going to be a long night for Triple G. That's all I'm saying. You better pack a lunch because Canelo, you're going to know you were in a fight. Either one of these guys are, make no, you're not walking out of there with a first round knockout. You, You better bring everything, a sleeping bag, bring your friends, bring who you need to bring, but you're going to be there all night. Man, how good would this fight have been 30 years ago when there were 15 rounds? Oh, God. I can't even imagine. <laughs> I can't even oh, imagine my. what would have happened. That would have been awesome. But, yeah, I, you know, I agree with you. Um, and as big of a Triple G fan as I am, and you know I, I've been on this guy's bandwagon for years saying he was the number one guy in the world. I I find myself sort of leaning toward Canelo early on as well. Just 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 based on the last you know last year or so watching t- these two guys fight, uh, as great as Triple G is, uh, Canelo just seems to have a little more behind him. But we got a long way to go before then. Like you said, I don't want to make a prediction right now. Uh, there's a lot to happen between now and then. And again, that span from August, you know, from August 26th, you know, till two weeks later, uh, till Triple G and uh, Canelo get it on, is going to be a fantastic, fantastic two weeks. And, and, and just the last thing before we get out of here and start talking MMA, think about this, because, you know, we've been prognosticating this year, and a lot of things we said came true. Joshua beating Klitschko. Um, Ward beating Kovalov was just a huge fight. But let's just percolate for a moment. Let's say that Conor McGregor gets knocked out and Floyd wins and gets number 50. But at the same time, a lot of boxing purists are going to say that's not really 50 wins. That's 49, and then you fought an exhibition. And they start clamoring for him to fight one more. The winner of Triple G and Canelo against Mayweather in May of next year becomes, I think, the biggest fight on the planet. And what if it's, let's just say Triple G wins, but Canelo made him look even more human. You might see a a Leonard Hagler moment here where Floyd says, I can beat this guy and take that middleweight belt and take his fifth lineal title, making him the, we talked about it for a long time. We didn't know why Floyd wouldn't have challenged Canelo himself, but with another belt, Floyd legitimately becomes the only fighter in history to have won five lineal titles. 
something yeah, to think a lot, about. That's a lot of ifs. So that's a lot of uh, time between now and then. I, I don't know. I I honestly you couldn't get it up I, for you. Wait, wait, Brad, you're trying to tell me that you couldn't get it up for Triple G against Mayweather for the middleweight championship of the world. Oh, absolutely. That would be uh, – you could take a blank check from me right now for that. Yeah, I uh, mean – Either tri- Triple G or either the Cadella rematch with, yeah. with Mayweather. I just I just think that this, after this, uh, I just kind of feel like Mayweather's going to walk away and be done count his billions of dollars that he's going to have coming out of this fight. I just don't think he's going to get that nice round number of 50. And to those critics who say, oh, it doesn't matter, <laughs> I, I'm sure he'll have a, a, a number one finger to point at him to say he doesn't yeah, care. And, but, but you know what, though? They still have not – I know that the Las Vegas uh, – the Nevada State Athletic Commission has, you know, given the date and approved the fight, but they haven't 100% said – if this is going to be considered a professional fight or not. I think you could very easily have a Rocky Balboa type situation where when him and Tarver fought in that fictional movie that they scheduled it as an exhibition instead of a real defense. Well, that that very well could be, and that would definitely put a little bit of a, a, a damper on um, you know Mayweather's goal for 50 wins. And at that point, you could. You definitely could see that. Um, there's a lot of factors to play in here now. And it's, uh, again, there's a lot of time between now and then to see. I We've said it from the beginning. We thought it should be an exhibition. It shouldn't be a legit uh, boxing contest because neither of us think it's going to be a contest. Um, yeah. With that said, if it was an exhibition um, – you know, why not, you know, you know, uh, make it a kickboxing you, match or make it a, make it some Brad, sort of you, MMA type do fight. Think, do you think that the word exhibition would put it too much in the, in the mind of fans would put it too much in the WWE realm? And even though it, they're, they're really fighting that it would, I think if they said it was an exhibition, it would seriously affect their sales and how they would be able to sell this fight. I agree with you 100%. I, I agree with you because an exhibition uh, is – it means nothing. I mean, yes, yeah, it's, it's great for the fans. It's going to be exciting to watch, but – or actually, I probably won't be excited to watch. But when, when you say it's an exhibition, if it's not sanctioned by the athletic commission as a uh, professional – fight then there's a lot of questions that could come into play you know is is there going to be are there going to be some shenanigans if Mayweather was to actually land a shot and and do the unthinkable and beat Mayweather you know was it was the fix in um or hell was the fix in if Mayweather was able to get past McGregor giving it the expedition exhibition tag uh there are there's too many variables, other variables that can come in uh, to play. I And for as long as they can, if it does end up as an exhibition, you will not hear that stated until the last possible minute, I'm sure. All right, moving, moving on, we got Bellator, NYC. 
they did pay-per-view on this. I don't know what the numbers did yet. I can't imagine that it was super good, but let's, uh, I watched it for free. So let's, uh, you know, Ryan Couture, he won. We had him. Um, let's talk a little bit, brag about Alice Yager against Heather Hardy. Now, this was a fight in the women's flyweight division. Never seen either one of these women fight. Heather Hardy's making her debut, but she apparently had some kind of background in, in boxing or in kickboxing or something. And uh, that was a hell of a scrap. Her and this girl split each other open. Uh, just when you thought Hardy was going to lose, she dug deep and uh, knocked her out in the third round with like 30 seconds left in the fight. Just a fantastic win for Heather Hardy. And I actually tweeted her and she replied, and we're going to try to have her on the show next week to talk about her fight, but just a really solid win. She improves to one and O and really made a name for herself by just going out on her shield and selling out and ended up getting the win. Bragg, did you see the fight? And if so, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, she, she's a future star. I, I, I don't think there's any question about it. I think she, uh, like you said, the big, the comeback, she was, I had her down on the cards. She had to finish to win that fight. And she mm-hmm. did so in fantastic fashion. Uh, great opportunity. I, I was not aware you actually got in touch with her, so that's exciting to hear. I uh, look forward to possibly having her on. But, yeah, I, I think she's a future star. Uh, she, and she, of course, she dove right in head first, with, made a big splash with that big win. Yeah, it was uh, fantastic. We're going to try to uh, get her on the show for next week. But, uh, you know, just re- and I told her, you know, just remember – we had Misha Tate on our show when she after she had her first win in Strike Force before she was anybody, and <laughs> this could be another situation where Heather Hardy becomes the next champion, like you said, in in two or three years. Really great performance. Um, James Gallagher, we had him over Chinzo Machida. He's older than his brother, or at least looks that way. He had no chance. Gallagher was able to get in, get out, and submit this kid really quick moving on to a fight we did you know phil davis ryan bader brag i'm going to be honest with you i had phil davis in this fight and i thought he won the fight he was the champion i didn't think bader did enough i had davis winning two rounds to one in the end the judges saw it split decision bader how did you score the fight i was with other people that thought bader won but i was just like you know he Davis is the champion. I didn't think that first round Bader did enough to win it. Bragg, how'd you see it? You know, I, it's funny because I've watched this fight twice, and I've had it different both times. It was a close fight. It really was. Uh, I could, I, I can't. I'm not mad at the decision. Um, I just wish it would have been a better fight. <laughs> um, but it's going to be interesting now to see where that goes. You'll probably get a rematch, and hopefully uh, it'll be a better fight and it'll be a more dominant performance from one or the other. Yeah, I don't – that was the second time Bader beat him, so I think a rematch will probably be hard. But then again, this is Bellator where the roster isn't as deep, so you might be right. They might end up meeting again. But – uh He's beat him now in each organization by split decision both times. Moving, moving on, we got Douglas Lima against Lorenz Larkin. Lorenz Larkin was a huge favorite here, and the champion Douglas Lima was able to just 
take it to him for five rounds and get the UD. Really great performance by Lima. Bragg, moving on, we had Zach Freeman against Aaron Pico. We both liked Freeman. He won by guillotine choke. Which brings us now to the lightweight championship. Michael Chandler against Brent Primus, 7-0. The big kid, the younger kid against Chandler, the seasoned veteran. This was a fight, Bragg. I was looking over the card. We didn't do a show. But as I was looking over the uh, – I was hanging out with Chan, who's been on the show, friend of the show, and he was looking to put a big bet down. And I was like, you know what? This Brett Primus kid, man, he's undefeated. He's a champion in another organization. And you know what we say. I said, when you've never been broken in the ring by being defeated, you're not afraid of the people you're getting in front of. And I just had a feeling Brett Primus was going to do – we put a thousand bucks on him, and it paid six thousand when Brett Primus wins by doctor stoppage after he hit Chandler's knee. Chandler, lot of heart. He, I, I thought Primus was going to get knocked out for a second after Chandler was on one leg, but he went back to the bread and butter, and they ended up stopping it. Bragg, what did you see in this fight, and how big of a win was that for Brett Primus, the new champion? I, it was a huge win. Uh, it, it's unfortunate that it, the fight ended the way it did uh, with the, the Chandler uh, knee injury or the leg injury. Uh, Primus, Primus did what he did. He came in. He utilized the leg kicks viciously. Uh, it, it was it was brutal. And I, I see this fight. I, I imagine you'll get a rematch sooner rather than later. As soon as Chandler's able to come back, you'll get this rematch. This could be setting up a nice little feud or trilogy between these two guys. Uh, but Brett Primus became a star um, Saturday night. He, like you said, uh, you know, you put the money down on him. Not a lot of people expected him to win. Chandler, one of the best fighters pound for pound in the world. He got caught and he got hurt. It's unfortunate. We'll see these two uh, hook it up again later. And now that Chandler has seen Primus and has felt what he can give him and has been in the cage with him a little bit. Like you said, Chandler hit him and hurt him, it looks like. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that rematch goes, but as it stands, Rip Primus, the champion of the world, uh, congratulations to him on a hell of a performance. Um, he showed up, got the job done. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Neiman Gracie submits Dave Marfone. We both had Gracie. He's undefeated. Which brings us to the co-main event, Fedor Emelianenko, the last emperor against meathead Matt Mitrioni, your boy. Um, I'll be honest with you, I, I picked Fedor, um, and I thought, I mean, you saw what happened. Fedor, Fedor landed a huge right hand at the same time, lost his balance. People think Mitrione hit him. He really didn't. It was like a half punch. And uh, Fedor just lost his balance, and Mitrione woke up when he hit the mat and jumped on top of him and, and got him out of there. And it was just, uh, it's just unfortunate because I thought Fedor was going to knock this dude out, but meathead lives up to his, uh, you know, nickname because if he didn't have such a big meathead, that dude would have been asleep from that punch. Damn. You stole my line. <laughs> oh, sorry. Unrehearsed. It's, all, it's all good, man. No, absolutely. Just, a. Give give uh, you know Matt Mitrione credit. I mean he he took a shot. Fedor landed a shot on him. Yeah. Uh, Mitrione caught him. It was it was more of a 
a glancing blow. And did it hurt Fedor? It didn't appear to at first, but you know, you never know. Some, sometimes those glancing shots, you don't get all of them, but it does stun you a little bit. But yeah, uh, Meathead was just able to get up first and uh, jump on Fedor and actually finish it off. And those ground, you know, whether he clipped him uh, to knock Fedor down, knock him off balance, or whatever it was, uh, Meathead uh, Matt Mitrione finished the job. And he landed some heavy shots on the ground and was able to actually, it looked like uh, Fedor went stiff for a moment after getting knocked out. Good stoppage. Uh, but where does that leave Fedor now? The greatest heavyweight of all time, arguably. Uh, he's a guy who he still has name power. There's still this mystique about him, but that mystique is disappearing quickly. Uh, where do you think Fedor goes from here? And on the flip side of that, it looks like Mitrione has put himself in line for a heavyweight title shot for Bellator. Yeah, I mean, I'm not so much, you know, Mitrione. I think he's climbing the ladder. I think he got lucky. I mean, now if you look at Mitrione's last two fights, okay, so let's click on Mitrione. His last two, his three fights in Bellator have been against Carl Semenatufa, who, where, where he won by knockout, but almost got knocked out himself. Ollie Thompson, where he almost got knocked out and somehow was able to weather the storm and then knock him out. And then Fedor, where he gets dropped, wakes up again. And then, I mean, this is a dude, he's real chinny. And you can tell that he's just a big dude. He's got an 82-inch reach, and he weighs 265. He, you know, he outweighed Fedor by 30 pounds, and because of his athleticism from football, was just able to get up from that hit and, and get back into it. I think Fedor just got unlucky, to answer your question about where he goes. I, I'd like to see Fedor fight one more time, uh, maybe against a, a middle-of-the-road kind of guy, just because I think that that punch normally would have knocked out any heavyweight under 250 pounds. I just think Meathead... If it would have been Meathead or, or Roy Nelson or someone like that with a big granite chin, that's the only person surviving a punch like that. I mean, that was a perfect six-inch. You, you know the punch. You've seen it against Brett Rogers and against Arlowski. It's just that touch shot, that six-inch, boom, turn the hip, and he landed it perfect. I, I think I'd like to see him one more time. Interested to see who, uh, who he gets. Um, could, you know, could they go for a fight? Of course, Bobby Lashley, who is, um, you know, who still wrestles professionally, but still um, is an MMA guy. He's got a name that they could hang, you know, could promote around. Is he a guy that you would say Fedor goes up against? Because that's a big fight for both guys. Um, it's going to sell or sell advertising. I don't know if they'll get back on pay-per-view or not, but uh, it should pop a big rating for Spike TV. I'm thinking you're going to see a fight like that for Fedor next. Uh, if, if Bellator's history is, <laughs> is of a, uh, is to be taken seriously. And, and you never know. You never know with Bellator being the person now who has Fedor, or at least I don't know how long his contract is with Bellator. Um, I know that he was on a five fight win streak before this loss. So again, I think we'll see him again in the ring. 
You, I wouldn't be surprised if they did some kind of like jail sun in against Fedor. Because Fedor's a 230-pound heavyweight. You know, he's not a big dude. He never was. And now that he seems to be a little chinny after his 10-year reign, you could see something like that. I'm still holding out hope for a, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Bellator tried to lure someone like Brock Lesnar, who no longer has a contract with UFC, into a Lesnar-Fedor fight. I just think that there's, you can use Fedor's name still if you match him with the right opponent. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, it's it's funny you say that about Chelsea, and we'll get into him in a second, but, uh, you know, he's he continues to let his mouth write checks that sometimes he cannot cash. Yeah, Shale Sonnen, Vandalay Silva, just a I'll be honest, I like Sonnen and I and I went with Silva after the uh Brett Primus win, just looking to maximize and take another underdog. And uh Vandalay Silva had his moments, man. Two times in that fight I thought he was gonna knock Shale out, dropped him, just wasn't able to do it earlier in the round. And uh you know, we said it, or at least we said it in the past about both of these fighters. Chael Sonnen is one of these guys that when he gets rocked, he always has that great wrestling foundation. He's got arguably the best double leg in the history of the UFC. And he can rely on that time in, time and time again, whereas Vandalay Silva doesn't have that, that knockout power or that ferocity that he used to have in the ring. And he's chinny now. And he you know, give him credit for for not for the fight going all five rounds and him not submitting in some of those wrestling spots. But other than two or three big punches from Silva, he got dominated. Um, I don't ever want to see Vandalay Silva fight again. And I don't really want to see Chael Sonnen fight again, although, like you said, I think his mouth may have talked himself into a possibly another Tito fight or something like that. Well, I, you you had been um, somebody like a super fight with Fedor, and um, if yes, he talked about Tito after the fight, which was a fight that he lost clearly. Um, there was no question about it. But he also mentioned <laughs> he cut a pro wrestling promo. Let's just let's just call it what it was. He cut cut a promo and mentioned that Fedor asked him for his autograph, and. Chael pretty much told him that uh, he could take his paper, and if he wants a signature from him, put it on a contract so they could fight. Uh, it might be it might be something that Bellator is gonna gonna look into. Like you said, Fedor is a smaller heavyweight, two thirty five, uh, not much bigger than that. He doesn't really cut weight. That's about his walk around weight. Uh, Chael Sonnen walks around. About I could see a two fifteen catch weight. See, I don't know if Fedor would come down, even come down. Uh, and and Chael Sonnen is a guy who doesn't give a damn. He he's gonna if he can make the heavyweight limit, the he's going gangster. to do it. Absolutely. And I, he's one of those guys. Yes, he's past his prime. His best fighting days are behind him, way behind him. But he's so much fun to listen to. He's so much fun to watch promote a fight, and. Even in the cage, once he gets in there, I, you know, I, I love his style because, like you said, he'll sit there and try to bang with you. He'll sit there to try to fight with you. But that wrestling, that double leg he has is, is a thing of beauty, and nobody does it better. Uh, the guy is fantastic on the ground still. Um, 
a, he and Fedor would be an interesting fight. I'm not sure if it's going to happen. Like I said, I kind of think I think it really could happen. It could be a possibility uh, depending on what they what they want with Fedor. Um, you said it yourself. Could they try to lure somebody like Brock Lesnar? I don't think so because that would have a lot to do with the WWE being on the USA Network and their main competition, if you could call it that, TNA Impact, being on Spike TV. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen, although it would be great to see. People still want to see, and people still talk about Randy Couture against Fedor Belianenko. Do you think Randy Couture (laughs) – oh, my bad. Uh, Do you think Randy Couture would come out of retirement? I don't think he will personally. I I think that fight, that window has been shut for a long time. But do you think that's something Bellator could throw millions of dollars at Randy Couture to get that fight happen? Yeah, I mean, again, do I think I think that with with Randy Couture's style and the way that he fought, he could still fight now, even at fifty something. Um, and with the way Fedor is now and susceptible to big punches and wrestling, yeah, I think that the fight would be still in competitive. I just don't know if they would have to throw. I mean, they'd have to give Randy like. $5 million or something. I mean, it would have to be a lot of money for Bellator, you know? I mean, we're not talking about the UFC here. So like they can't throw 15 million at Connor, you know, this, I, I just don't think Scott Coker would have, they wouldn't have the money for it. I just don't think so. Um, but moving on, let's, uh, let's, let's talk about this UFC fight night here. We got about 20 minutes left in the show uh, real quick, the fighters that we had that won, uh, Clay Guida, Carla Esparza, Tim Means, all looking really good in their fights. Uh, I'll admit I had, uh, or in Felice Herring, we had her. I, I had BJ Penn. I thought uh, I thought he was going to do enough. He looked really good against Seaver early, and in the third round just got completely dominated. Um, his leg was gone. He just kind of quit. And uh, someone sent out a tweet and was just like, BJ, please stop. You're embarrassing yourself with every fight. Like, this dude has been trying to get 17 wins for, like, three years now. Like, stop fighting. You were one of the greatest of all time in your prime, but you just lost to Dennis Seaver, you know, a dude that Connor knocked out. Yeah, BJ Penn is, I mean, he, he was done years ago. Um, I, I don't. I, I didn't get the appeal of this fight from the beginning. Uh, Dennis Sieber, who's a guy who's he's a gatekeeper, but he's also a guy who you know put together a good fight. He's got a little bit of power. I, I could see the. I could see where they thought it'd be a good fight, but I I had no desire to see it. BJ Penn to me, he was done years ago. He's still done today. Um, I'm like you. I, I'm like, please retire. It, it's over. And let's just move on. He's been done since Frankie Edgar beat him. That's how long he's been done. Yeah, that's what that, that's a long time. <laughs> and that, yeah, that's about seven years now. It's like, dude, you can't be a part-time fighter when, like, as great as he was, and and don't get this wrong, BJ Penn is great. 
Like, I would say if you were putting together not necessarily a Mount Rushmore, but if you were putting together the 10 best MMA fighters of all time, BJ Penn's on that list. Absolutely. First ballot Hall of Famer, uh, no yeah. doubt. But, but with that being said, he doesn't have the hunger anymore. First of all, this is a dude who came from a very wealthy family in Hawaii to begin with, had an attitude, had unbelievable skills, submissions. He was the Pan Crease world champion, uh, the submission, you know, he, the dude, the dude was on another level, but you're at 37 years old or 38 years old. You're not going to have that same passion that a 22 year old has or a 24 year old who needs to get to your spot. And, you know, like, like, like George Foreman once said with, about Oscar De La Hoya, it gets harder and harder to go to the boxing gym when you're wearing silk pajamas in a mansion. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I just feel like BJ Penn's done, end of this chapter, great career, I don't want to see you fight anymore. Moving on, Tim Bose, Johnny Hendricks, we said it again, Johnny Hendricks won, who did he beat in his last fight? It was because uh, I lost that fight. I took, um, let me look, uh, he beat uh, Hector Lumbar, that's right. And that was a fight that could have gone either way, and they gave it to Hendricks. And I said, I was like, this dude ate himself out of the 170 division, had an injury, moves up to 85. Mate, he looks like a science teacher who's a wrestling coach. Like, shouldn't be fighting anymore. Shocked us against Lombard. And then what does he do? Not make weight and then gets knocked out by Tim Bosch properly. And hopefully that's the end of Johnny Hendricks. I don't want to see him fight again. It sucks that, you know, he didn't get credit for the fight against GSP. But, but you know... You're not at that level anymore, bro. It's time. It's time. You're you're done. It, it's yeah, you he, know Tim Bosch. Uh, you know that guy's got serious hands. He's always got a chance against anybody. You know. Yeah, I, you know, and you. I've said it before. I've never been a big fan of Johnny Hendricks. Uh, I was really, really, really hoping Hector Lombard would take care of business. He didn't get the job done. Tim Bosch did. Um, they had Johnny Hendricks on the card because he is from Oklahoma. This fight happened in Oklahoma. Uh, big, big uh, hometown draw. And I, I hope he was embarrassed. I, I really hope he was embarrassed. I hope he was um, ashamed of his actions and his reactions to the fight that he just never shows his face again. Yeah. It's just um... – all right. But, uh, but, Johnny, you're welcome to come on the show anytime you'd like. I'd love to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, I love his nick. Dude, his nickname, Big Rig, is B.A. Uh, my my wife had a package once delivered to me and put Larry Big Rig on it because of my beard. And I look, I, I had the headphones <laughs> going for a little while. But anyways, main event, Chiesa against Lee. I liked Chiesa in this one. I don't know which way you – I can't remember which way you went, but uh, I was really disappointed with the early stoppage by, uh, by uh, you know, Brett Yamaguchi, whatever his name is. What's his name? Uh, Mario Yamasaki. Yeah. You know, it, did you hear Dana White's rant about him? Oh my God! It was it it was it was Epic. glorious yet horrible at the same time. Yeah. I've always liked Mario Yamasaki. He, he's a good guy. Uh, he was always a good referee, but like, in the last few years, it, it does seem like his game is slipping. He hasn't been on top of the 
charts. They call him uh, Yamasaki Mazagati, or, or I can't remember. I think it might have been Mike Chiesa. Who, uh, yeah, he's been on the wrong side of about three or four really bad decisions. Stop it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, it is. And it, it was unfortunate. Kiesa was uh, – yeah, I could – you know, when it first happened, it kind of looked like he was tapping from the te- from the camera angle um, in live, live uh, you know, in, in real, real time. In real time, yeah. Because, because he, he, he was reaching up uh, to grab the arm, and he kind of – it's almost like he stuttered. Uh, I, I could see that. It's it's very unfortunate, but those ten referees se- ten seconds left in the round. I mean, yeah, it, it it's um, you know, he, he, he would, you know, as as a referee after going through referee training and and being in that position, it's almost like I've got to see him tap. I've got to see him. You know, I I've got to make sure there's a tap there. Um, mm-hmm. Before you know, I, I don't want to make that assumption, especially for a main event fight. It's a a big broadcast. Not to say that a local show without any TV coverage is any less important, or you would make any less less of a decision. Um, but you know, these two guys are at the top of their game. They're both top ten fighters uh, on a real highs. You know, you, you got to make sure he's tapping. He's he's got to basically be, you know, yelling for me to stop the fight at that point. Bad, yeah. bad decision. Bad, bad, bad call. Very, very unfortunate. Um, the good news is it doesn't seem like anybody was came out of there really hurt. So if they want to re- put a rematch together, they should be able to do that um, in pretty easy fashion and pretty quickly. I, I think it's well-deserved. Um, these guys talked a lot of shit the last few months, um, and there wasn't really there wasn't really any reconciliation after the fight between these two guys. So uh, I think yeah. we're definitely going to see these guys hook up again. It'll probably be on a pay per view, um, or it's going to be on a bigger stage. Let's just put it that way. So um, unfortunate the way it did, but hey, it, it was re- it was a really good fight. I really enjoyed it. Um, the four minutes. Four and a half, four minutes and thirty-seven seconds that uh, it actually took place. Yeah. All right. Um. Again, no um. No. MMA this week. So let, let's look ahead a little bit. We got some bad news on the UFC, uh, two thirteen card as Robbie Lawler and Donald Cerrone is is scrapped now because of an injury. So, you know, that kind of hurts. But th- this is a stacked card, Bragg. You got um, Olenek against Travis Brown, which, you know, you hope this guy puts Brown out to pasture. Um, you got you got Jim Miller against uh, Showtime Pettis. That could be an interesting fight, and it's at lightweight instead of Pettis. You know, he realized after the Holloway fight, I think, that he, he can't win there. Um we got a rematch against over with Overeem and Verdum from the Strike Force days, and uh, this is a trilogy. They've each won one. Verdum won in Pride. Overeem wins in Strike Force. Now they meet in the UFC, and this could have title implications with uh, Stipe, as, you know, with Cain Velasquez's future un, uh, unsure right now. And then of course you got Yoel Romero, who's just a monster, against Robert Whitaker, who knocked out Jacare, the guy who gave. 
Romero all he can handle. I mean, this is a great fight for the interim title. And then finally rounding it out, you got Amanda Nunes defending her title in a rematch against Valentina Shevchenko. Again, the top two bantamweights meeting. This this, this is a really the, – the, the three main fights on this card, and it would have been four with Cowboy and Lawler, this card is stacked at the top. It really is. They – the USC always tries to put on a big fight around the 4th of July weekend. Usually, the, uh, the, however it falls, it usually falls the week after the, week after the 4th of July. Uh, this, Yeah, this is a fight card I am really looking forward to. Very disappointed about Cowboy Cerrone. And he actually put out on Instagram a few couple hours ago, he's actually got an infection in his blood. Uh, he's going to be on IV treatments for the next week or so. I think they call um, that the hit. <laughs> what? <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Hopefully, this will be something he can recover from and come back from. Uh, that was looking for. I was really looking forward to that. Of course, Cowboy, one of my favorite fighters, um, Robbie Lawler, uh, just a fantastic fighter. They'll they'll get it on later in the summer, um, early fall, I'm sure. But yeah, UFC 213 is shaping up to be epic. Yeah, and I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I think I think Robbie Lawler was going to knock Cowboy out in that fight, if I'm being honest. That, that's where I would have gone with my pick. It would have been one. tough for – Cowboy has shown us be, to be susceptible to getting hit lately. Uh, after all those fights he's had, it finally beginning to show a little bit of weakness uh, when it comes to the getting hit and – I agree. I, I I think Robbie Lawler would have probably uh, stopped him sometime in the middle rounds, uh, but you never know. Uh, Robbie Lawler's always had a strong chin, but you never know when that's going to go to. I'm I'm really don't and don't forget too how loaded this card was. Uh, the bantamweight title fight was supposed to be on this card as well with Cody Garbrandt, T.J. Dillashaw. Uh, that was expected to be here. Uh, that's got to be that had to be pushed back due to Cody's injury. Um, so yeah, this card, as epic as it is now, could have been even that much more. Uh, and then you turn around in a few weeks, July 29th, and you get uh, Jones and Cormier battling um, along yeah. with the. Uh, oh, there was, there's another title fight. Featherweight, oh, uh, Cyborg. Cyborg. Cyborg yeah. fighting Tanya Evinger now uh, for mm-hmm. the women's featherweight, the newly vacated women's featherweight title. Um, yeah, I that's mean, that's going to be just, a huge uh, show. Yeah, Ramadi ran away uh, rather than fight Cyborg, and now Megan Anderson, the girl who was running her mouth on Twitter, uh, now says that she has a personal problem. I sent out a tweet that started going around that said, uh, yeah, the personal problem was is that she realized she was going to get knocked out in the first minute, and so she decided to cancel the fight. Um, so, yeah, make no mistake, Tanya Evinger is going to sleep. Uh, th- this is going to be a, a showcase coming out party for Justino, and um, she deserves it. She is, in my opinion, there's only two women in the world who need to fight, and that's Cyborg against Amanda Nunes. That's it. Those are the only two women that need to fight at one 
it, it, at the heavier weight and at the lower weight, it's John Chase check against anyone who they decide to throw in there, but she's the best in the world. The, the, the women are starting to get too many fights with the divisions being weak. I don't think that I think that they're oversaturated. I think there's really only five or six women that can really fight. That's my opinion. I know it's not probably the uh, popular opinion on that matter, but it you know the numbers don't lie. They they I, there could be there's a lot more male fighters who have put in their due and their time that deserve to be on showcase pay per views opposed to you know outside of the three or four women that I named. You know, well, not to mention, I mean, you talk you talk about the divisions. I mean, there's only four divisions now uh, in the UFC. Three. So yeah, the, through, uh, featherweight, bantamweight, and flyweight. I thought there was there were strawweight. There's not there's there's no 125 division. That's what no. uh, Chechek uh, fights at 125. No, she fights at 115. 115. Okay. All right. My bad. Okay. Yeah. Regardless, the, the the amount of divisions, you know, there's only three champions. There's, the amount of divisions are, uh, you know, slimmer as well. So, so yeah. So you're beginning to see a lot of fighters. Now, there are a lot of talented female fighters. There really are. Let's not make any mistake about that. Uh, there are some young names coming up. You got your Paige Van Zant. You got Felice Herring, who just got a big win. Uh, the Karate Hottie. Uh, it's going to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated Body mm-hmm. Issue. Michelle um, Watterson. Yeah. Michelle Watterson. Yeah. Um, the woman that we talked about a few months back um, that I, I really liked a lot. Um, I can't think of her name, but she's the uh, the BJJ uh, champion. Uh, there's a oh, lot yeah. of there's a lot of women that are beginning to really become well rounded. In the sport, and that was one of the biggest things from the beginning, the first couple of years, was that a lot of these women were one-dimensional. Um, but we're seeing complete MMA fighters coming out of the women's divisions now. So I think you had your boom with Ronda Rousey a couple of years back, and she took it to that level. I think Amanda Nunes uh, and Jacek, I think, are two girls who are about ready to start taking that to another level. And I think these girls underneath that are coming up the ranks, I think you're going to see uh, women's MMA um, about to hit their second boom period. And then they, I'd say within the next year or so, you're going to start to see it because there's a lot of potential out there. There's a lot of good fighters. Divisions are getting deeper. And that's going to help out a lot. Well, let's hope so. And, you know, I'm always open to have my opinion changed. Um, Brett, we got about two and a half minutes before we get out of here. Of course, that, that card we were just talking about, UFC 214, culminates with the re- most anticipated rematch of the year between John Bones Jones and Daniel Cormier, D.C. Just a huge fight. Um, I, I don't know where I'm leaning right. I think right now I'm leaning towards D.C., just uh, my initial gut. It could change in the next month, but uh, tune into the show. Bragg, real quick, who are you leaning towards in that fight, and is there anything you want to say before we get out of here? Uh, I'm still holding my breath that the fight's actually going to happen. We've seen things happen with these two so many times. It seems like these two are snake-bitten when it comes to fighting each other. 
as much as I dislike John Jones's attitude and, his, and him as a fighter, it, it, he's one of the best for a reason. And Daniel Cormier has not been able to figure that riddle out. Um, if I had to put money on it today, I'd probably say John Jones, but it's I'm not very comfortable in saying it at, right now. Yeah, and I mean, again, we'll, we'll leave you with this. You know, Daniel Daniel Cormier and Alexander Gustafson both said that they both felt that John Jones was on something, whether that's – I don't think it's steroids, whether it's a cutting agent, whether it was cocaine, whether it was something – was the John Jones that fought against both of them clean or was the real clean John Jones the guy that fought against Ovin St. Prue who looked like a human being in there? That's going to be the real thing that we're going to find out on July 29th. And like Jim Lampley says, all lies are exposed in a ring. So Absolutely. Nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. Absolutely. Just for the third time, instead of playing our, uh, we're, we're going to leave you with Michael Buffer again, announcing Andre Ward as the champion of the world. Good night. The winner by TKO victory, still the undefeated light heavyweight champion of the world, Andre S.O.G.